Trump town hall. Is CNN normalizing fascism next week? Next week, CNN will take a shot at normalizing American fascist movement leader and GOP presidential frontrunner Donald Trump, a man who openly embraces murderous Nazis, Vladimir Putin, white supremacy, misogyny, religious bigotry, and political violence. They will feature and fate a career criminal who over 20 women have claimed raped or sexually assaulted them, a wannabe dictator who tried to overthrow the government of the United States and replace it with himself as a strongman ruler for life and now wants America to let him finish that job, a racist grifter who gleefully tore brown-skinned families apart and trafficked their children into a billionaire-supported grifter uh, Christian adoption system, leaving almost a 1,000 missing to this day, a failed businessman who had to repeatedly lie to both banks and the IRS to keep his money-laundering real estate empire afloat while virtually all of the other businesses he involved himself with failed or were prosecuted for fraud, and a toxic politician who lost the 2016 election by about 3 million votes and the 2020 election by over 7 million votes, all while repeatedly lying about his failures and the help he got from Russia. This action by CNN follows CBS's attempt to normalize Georgia fascist Marjorie Taylor Greene with Leslie Stahl's pathetic interview on 60 Minutes, a shocking echo of former CEO Les Moonves saying to CBS's investors of Donald Trump's participation in the 2016 race, quote, It may not be good for America, but it's damn good for CBS. Man, who would have expected the ride we're all having right now? The money's rolling in, and this is fun. I've never seen anything like this, and this is going to be a very good year for us. Sorry, it's a terrible thing to say, but bring it on, Donald. Keep going, end quote. But it's not just about the money. There is a method to this madness. Before fascism can fully seize power in a nation, it must first be accepted by the people as a patriotic system of governance representing the will of the majority of the nation. This is why fascists always scapegoat minorities first, often delighting the privileged caste before they acquire enough power to subjugate the majority of the people. They designate these minorities, typically racial, gender, or religious, as enemies of the people and polluters of the culture to justify the violence against them that invariably follows those designations. They equate them with insects and animals, use terms like infestation, invasion, and perversion, and promote that dehumanization to justify their economic, social, and physical violence. We've seen this exact formula followed step by step in Putin's Russia, Orban's Hungary, Erdogan's Turkey, Duterte's Philippines, Pinochet's Chile, Hitler's Germany, Franco's Spain, and Mussolini's Italy, among others. Political violence is their touchstone. The GOP even went so far as to call the vicious assault on the U.S. Capitol on January 6th, killing three police officers and wounding 140 others, legitimate political discourse. Only a fascist organization would speak that way. America has had a love-hate relationship with fascism ever since it first arose in Italy in the 1920s. Dorothy Thompson, one of America's most respected foreign correspondents and the wife of Sinclair Lewis, who became Berlin bureau chief for the New York Post in 1925 and interviewed Hitler in 1930, she was not impressed, wrote in 1935 after reporting from Europe on both Hitler and Mussolini, as quoted by Helen Thomas, quote, No people ever recognize their dictator in advance. He never stands for election on a platform of dictatorship. He always always represents himself as the instrument of the incorporated national will, end quote. Considering how fascism may one day come to America in future years, Thompson wrote, quote, 
when our dictator turns up, you can depend on it, that he will be one of the boys, and he'll stand for everything traditionally American. And nobody will ever say Heil to him, nor will they call him Fuhrer or Duce. But they will greet him with one great big universal democratic sheep-like bleat of, Okay, chief. While Ernest Hemingway was singularly unimpressed when he met Mussolini during, while reporting in Italy for the Toronto Daily Star, the dictator was avoiding discussions by pretending to be reading a book, but when Hemingway walked behind him to see what it was, he discovered El Duce was holding an English-Italian dictionary upside down. Most of the American press fell in love with Mussolini and Italian fascism throughout the 1920s. The New York Times and the Saturday Evening Post, which serialized his autobiography, regularly wrote glowing articles about Mussolini in that era, apparently believing that fascism presented less of a threat to Europe than did the then-growing socialist movement. The American ambassador to Italy at the time, Richard Washburn Child, was positively giddy, calling him a Spartan genius. A decade later, a more sober and informed American vice president warned us of the hostile rise of fascism in America and was removed from the Democratic ticket in 1944 for his efforts. Although most Americans remember that Harry Truman was Franklin D. Roosevelt's vice president when Roosevelt died in 1945, making Truman president, Roosevelt had two previous vice presidents, John N. Garner, 1933-41, and Henry A. Wallace, 1941-1945. In early 1944, the New York Times asked Vice President Henry Wallace to, as Wallace noted, quote, write a piece answering the following questions. What is a fascist? How many fascists have we? How dangerous are they? Vice, Wallace, Vice President Wallace's answer to those questions was published in the New York Times on April 9, 1944, at the height of the war against the Axis powers of Germany and Japan. The really dangerous American fascists, Wallace wrote, are not those who are hooked up directly or indirectly with the Axis. The FBI has its finger on those. The dangerous American fascist is the man who wants to do in the United States in an American way what Hitler did in Germany in a Prussian way. His method is to poison the channels of public information. With a fascist, the problem is never how best to present the truth to the public, but how best to use the news to deceive the public into giving the fascist and his group more money or more power. In this, Wallace was using the classic definition of the word fascist, the definition Mussolini had in mind when he claimed to have invented the word. As the 1983 American Heritage Dictionary noted, fascism is, quote, a system of government that exercises a dictatorship of the extreme right, typically through the merging of state and business leadership, together with belligerent nationalism. Mussolini was quite straightforward about all this. In a 1923 pamphlet titled The Doctrine of Fascism, he wrote, If classical liberalism spells individualism, fascism spells government. But not a government of, by, and for we the people. Instead, it would be the government of, by, and for the most wealthy individuals and powerful corporate interests in the nation, seizing power by pitting people against each other, inflaming political, religious, and uh, racial and religious conflict. Noting that fascism is a worldwide disease, Wallace further suggested that fascism's greatest threat to the United States will come after the war and will manifest within the United States itself. In a comment prescient of Donald Trump and the current GOP Jeremiah against black voters, banned books, critical race theory, and queer people, Vice President Wallace continued, The symptoms of fascist thinking are colored by environment and adapted to immediate circumstances, but always and everywhere they can be identified by their appeal to prejudice, 
and by the desire to play upon the fears and vanities of different groups in order to gain power. It is no coincidence that the growth of modern tyrants has, in every case, been heralded by the growth of prejudice. It may be shocking to some people in this country to realize that, without meaning to do so, they hold views in common with Hitler when they preach discrimination. But even at this, Wallace noted, American fascists would have to lie to the people to gain power. And because they were in bed with the nation's largest corporations, who could gain control of newspapers and broadcast media, they would probably be able to promote their lies with ease. It was as if Vice President Wallace had a time machine and could say, see today's media landscape with Fox News and 1,500 right-wing radio stations. Quote, the American fascists are most easily recognized by their deliberate perversion of truth and fact, Wallace wrote. Their newspapers and propaganda carefully cultivate every fissure of disunity, every crack in the common front against fascism. They use every opportunity to impugn democracy. In his strongest indictment of the tide of fascism the Vice President of the United States saw bubbling under the surface in America, he added, They claim to be super-patriots, but they would destroy every liberty guaranteed by the Constitution. They demand free enterprise, but are the spokesman for monopoly-invested interest. Their final objective, toward which all their deceit is directed, is to capture political power so that, using the power of the state and the power of the market simultaneously, they may keep the common man in eternal subjection. As Wallace feared, Ronald Reagan's 1981 embrace of neoliberalism gutted the American middle class and transferred their wealth to the top 1%, setting the stage for the rise of a populist fascist leader like Trump. Over the four decades since the Reagan 1980s, the merely rich have become the morbidly rich, while average working people have gone from a middle class lifestyle being possible with a single income to two or more wage earners being the now necessary norm in American households. This crisis of economic inequality has predictably led working-class whites to look for villains and scapegoats, and today's fascist GOP is happy to supply them. They've ginned up moral panics around trans kids, bathrooms, abortion, American history in our schools, and affirmative action, all to direct attention away from their embrace of fascism and their ongoing theft of over $50 trillion so far from the American middle class. Using racism, faux nationalism, misogyny, and the corruption of both democracy and the rule of law, Republicans are cementing their power in state after state with extreme voter suppression, gerrymandering, dismantling of checks and balances, and packing the courts. So how can Americans best stop this growing fascist movement and the normalization of fascist politicians like Green and Trump by corporate media? Democratic politicians in the American media are reluctant to call politicians fascists because the GOP reacts so violently to the label. Nonetheless, that's what they are, and we should all be pointing it out at every opportunity. It's no longer even a radical idea to call Trump and the MAGA Republicans fascists. Former Arizona Republican House Speaker Rusty Bowers, speaking of Trump's efforts to get him to flip that state from Biden to Trump in the 2020 election, said, quote, Taking away the fundamental right to vote, the idea that the legislature could nullify your election, that's not conservative. That's fascist, and I'm not a fascist. Trump attacked him, the media poo-pooed his use of the word, and he lost his re-election effort by 30 points. The simple reality is that MAGA fascists are embarrassed by the word fascism. Hitler gave it a bad name, particularly in the minds of today's American fascists, when he lost World War II. 
And that's why we must use the word to describe them when they promote fascist policies, which tragically is now a daily occurrence. Apparently agreeing with this sentiment, the White House is now using the word too, although not frequently enough. Last August, White House spokesman Karine Jean-Pierre told reporters, I was very clear when laying out and defining what MAGA Republicans have done, and you look at the definition of fascism and you think about what they're doing in attacking our democracy. That is what it is. It is all very clear. President Joe Biden followed up by saying Republicans were pursuing semi-fascism. Predictably, that brought a shriek of outrage from the RNC, calling Biden's use of the word despicable. Touched a nerve? Good. Let them squeal. It's time to call a fascist a fascist. And, speaking of CNN's upcoming attempt to rehabilitate Trump with a MAGA mostly audience town hall moderated by a reporter who got her start with Tucker Carlson's Daily Caller, it's time to call fascist enablers exactly what they are, too.